Your company's future demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Christian Johnson, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. And as we're recording this episode in late 2023, it's clear that generative AI or Gen AI has become the topic in conversations about digital and analytics and operations. This new deep learning technology is already making ripples with applications across the value chain. So for today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Marie L. Hoyek, an associate partner based in London, and Nikolai Mueller, a senior partner based in Colo. Together, we'll be exploring what Gen AI and operations is, how it's different from digital twins and other AI technologies, its potential, and its risks. We'll also look at what it takes to get started with these tools. Nikolai, great to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Christian. Marie, so pleased you're able to share your thoughts with us today. Thanks for joining. Pleasure being here, Christian. Great. So, Nikolai, can you tell us a bit about why you believe generative AI is worthy of discussion for operation leaders, especially now? In the past decades, there was always this mantra of being faster, being more efficient, and pushing productivity. Tools we all know, such lean, like offshoring, like reviewing, uh, make or buy decisions, and also through technology, digital. But we now see nowadays that these productivity improvement gets more complex. And in this scenario, we have now a new technology coming in. Gen AI that promises to automate processes that in the past were hard to automate. Areas which are more in the management collaboration area, which currently humans are the ones operating. And also in complex data you have to manage. So in this context, there's the question, how much will Gen AI help in the search of productivity. Our McKinsey Global Institute have looked into that. And we actually discovered that in particular in the areas of collaboration and management, we believe that around 50% of the typical activities can now be automated by Gen AI. Also, when it comes to handling complex data and synthesizing the essence of that, we believe there's a huge jump of automation. This may lead to a value creation across industries and functions, industries from pharma to automotive to machinery and functions from engineering, procurement, supply chain, custom operations that can unleash a tremendous value. We talk about 3.5 to 4 trillion, which is approximately the GDP of the UK. Nikolai, what are some of the more specific opportunities that your clients are focusing on that you're focusing on right now? where I see our clients acting fast is in product development. And if you look into product development even more when it comes to software coding, we see up to 50% productivity increase by having a machine producing code from a simple instruction of saying, please give me the code for a program doing X, Y, that. And then using ChatGPT and others will come up with a solution. So this is one application area where we see Gen AI becoming a co-pilot of humans doing a job from program management to procurement to helping a supply chain manager to better do their job. Thanks, Nikolai. That has given us a great idea of the why and of some of the opportunities here. But let's go into a little bit more detail about what Gen AI actually is. Marie, what can you describe here for us? Gen AI is a fascinating field, and just like the name entails, it's somewhere at the intersection between artificial intelligence, 
and natural language processing. Basically, you have a machine that can analyze something and the something can now be unstructured like a language or pictures. A lot like a person, GenAI is all about teaching machines to understand and generate text or content. Now, to give this a bit more flavor, let's talk about the different generations of large language models, LLMs. LLMs are the driving force behind anything we call GenAI. And one of the first ones we heard about commonly is GPT-3, which is Generative Pre-trained Transformer 3. And when it came out, it had 175 billion parameters. Imagine parameters as the amount of stuff it had learned. And it could generate text that could go from writing letters to answering questions, but very much text-based. And then right after it, we saw GPT-4 come out and we went from 175 billion to 170 trillion parameters. So imagine how much more it had learned and it was more fluent, more accurate, but now it could also be used for image and for video. And this is the really transformative possibility with GenAI. You can now generate new content in many different types of spaces. Now, that being said, GenAI comes with its own set of risks and challenges. If you imagine that it's based on logic or probabilities, very similar to the human brain, actually, the answers come from what you learned and your sources. And because of this fact, any GenAI can give you a really convincing answer that is really wrong. And this is what we call hallucination. I love that term. But what do you do about it? How do you mitigate it? If you had a person answering you based on wrong info, you tell them, I want your answer out of this specific book. And very similarly, you can prompt GenAI better and tell it, I want you to answer me out of this data set or to tell me where you're guessing. Another risk is the model bias. So imagine that the model or the person has learned with the internet as its source. It's not the most respectful place. It's not the kindest place. So whenever you use a model, you need to be able to counter these biases and tell it not to use inappropriate sources or flawed sources or things you don't trust. Another risk that is top of mind is IP risk. Now, if you imagine a GenAI generating a code for you, who owns the code? Is it the GenAI who generated it or the requester who wanted it? And these details we're going to need to iron out pretty soon. What I'm appreciating here is the discussion of the very limits of the data sources here. That's really critical, right? It's critical, but also the fact that you need to guide it to your own data means you need to take care of your data and make sure that it is safe. Otherwise, that is also an added risk. Now, that being said, all of these risks can be mitigated, but we need to know them, be aware of them, plan our approach in a way that limits them so we control it. And by the way, we're seeing regulation and offerings that are starting to adapt to these risks. And I expect we're going to see quite a few changes in the near future. Just the evolution here, the rapid, rapid expansion from 100 billion with a B to 170 trillion with a T, that is really dramatic there. I think one thing we would now like to turn to is to how this is being used. And 
where we are seeing use cases come to life in businesses today. What are some of the really good examples of that? I think it's a question that clients have to ask themselves, what is the impact I want to achieve? At the end, we have to solve one big question and challenge. It's how to increase productivity, which is efficiency and effectiveness. So when we looked into use cases, actually, we tried to look into different angles. One is the question of automation. Things that currently take hours can be done in seconds. But also about augmentation, where maybe human is just uh, able to at least work with a certain set of data. And now imagine you can access all the data in the world which exists. This was one of the big industrial revolution with the internet. And now the internet gives you access to all data. And now you have your machine, which allows you to use all data, synthesize all data. So we talk about augmentation. And then we see innovation. Innovation, just the capacity to come to completely new solutions. So not only doing an existing product cheaper or come to a faster actually development of a product, but now actually coming with completely new ideas of features and services. So what have we seen? Automation. I talked about you. I'm fascinated what you can now do in software coding and the whole engineering. You heard also, for example, the CEO of NVIDIA saying, hey, the era of software is over. I think we told all our kids to learn software, and now you figure out software can be done by a machine. So it's a huge evolution that we'll see, but not only in software, also in hardware development, synthesizing a huge amount of requirements that your customer gives to you, asking Jenny I to actually understand what are the requirements, how does the requirements different from the last product, how does the requirements between products actually are similar or different, will help actually to come to better synthesis, better understand the requirement and develop faster, better products. Augmentation in pharma and research, I think we'll see a humongous increase in effectiveness and output and research. We have cases in pharma where you can imagine understanding each little molecule what kind of effects it has, how it reacts to each other, is something which is instrumental. So we see already first vaccines or actually other pharma products being developed faster than traditionally using Gen AI. So this is augmentation coming to a better kind of solution. And innovation, you have maybe seen also one famous premium German OEM in the US have integrated ChatGPT in their products. So actually you can interact and speak with your car. And so this is innovation. But Marie, you also have worked with me in this space. So what have you seen? My background is in industrials, very much deep in operations. So personally, I love all the co-pilot applications, particularly in procurement. The idea that you can ask a friend who knows all your contracts by heart, any question, and in plain English is just mind-blowing to me. So instead of analyzing old contracts, price history, external trends, I can literally just ask the questions. And I'm sure there are a lot more cool applications in terms of content generation, etc. But this one in particular blew my mind. And Marie, what I observed actually is this humongous opportunities out there and use cases. I mean, we have been in workshops where sitting with our clients easily, after an hour or two, we didn't end up with five or six potential use cases across a whole different function, but rather 150 and more. I see here a huge opportunity, but the challenge that we are facing. Where do you start? What is what I call happy generative AI, where indeed a co-pilot can help you in your daily job? But to be honest, this may become a commodity that everybody can do. And where is really the transformative Gen AI? Where is it leading 
to a differentiating factor for your business? Where is it really adding value? Where is it creating value for your customers? I think this is the challenge that we face. It's like we say in German, you don't see the woods because of the amount of trees in front of you. So where do you start and where do you end? Can't see the forest for the trees. That's exactly it. When I hear all of this excitement, I also think of the classic chart that we've seen for technologies in general, where you have this initial sharp upward curve as everybody gets very excited about this. And then it sounds like where you're moving is, okay, we need to anticipate when suddenly organizations either find, as you've put it, that it's commoditized or that it's hard. And that gets us down then, I think, to value. And so where do you see how do companies think about long-term value and not just a set of very exciting use cases that may not build toward very much? So this is a challenging question. If you look into the Google search index, which gives you a bit on these important topics, always a bit of a feeling, where are we on the curve? You'll find out that it's now Googled more than any traditional operation questions you have. You have seen all the digital manufacturing term out there. You have seen these internet of things uh, that we have now seen over years, and it's a constant discussion. Gen AI in operations has just started to pick up, I would say, in the first quarter of this year, and it has, in terms of amount of searches, overtaken everything you can imagine, which may give you an indication, wow, is there a huge hype out there? And has this hype already, as you said, now and all the dreams come true? They have not come through yet. And indeed, people now start and recognize that things are easy, like the low-hanging fruits, but actually the real core is still challenging to implement and also to make your company adopt it, change it. So we still are at the verge to answer one important question when it comes to Gen AI. Is it now just another toolkit in your operations like Lean, Digital, any also other artificial intelligence, predictive maintenance, for example, enabled um, levers you can pull? Or is it a disruption in its own? Is it changing the way you operate? I think these are the two scenarios I can imagine. I tend to believe that in the next two to three years, we'll see these two questions answered. And it may differ completely by player, by industry, what the outcome is. Let's talk about disruption. Imagine that coding, I come back to coding, is now easy. Often you have, for example, an automotive OEM defining requirements, and then you have a supplier more or less programming the code. If now the code can be programmed by a machine, do you need a supplier anymore? It can be disrupted and to be threatening to say, hey, the reason, the raison d'être, the reason to, to be for this supplier actually is gone. So this is an extreme of a disruptive. Or actually you identify, as I told you, for example, for a very research-heavy company, that suddenly you tap into complete new sources of data. You come to a complete new kind of set of products. And you finding out the right language model that suits you, adapting Gen AI in a way that is differentiating, may help you to actually come faster and with better products. And I think this is the most pressing questions that actually now our clients have to answer. I think one of the things we're struggling with, and I think organizations seem to always struggle with when it comes to a new technology or a new methodology, is how do you scale? We talked years ago about pilot purgatory, this idea that you try a bunch of ideas, but then they're never really 
cohering in a way that creates lasting values. So how can organizations think about this in a way that they can minimize or even avoid that kind of stagnation with this idea? This is a good question, Christian. And Gen AI might be relatively new, but we have years of experience in scaling digital transformations. And to your point, one of the biggest challenges is the pilot trap. Now, building a pilot or innovating with a technology is great, but transforming an organization is a whole different playing field. Nikolai talked about the business-led mindset to prioritize applications that are useful with real business ROI, but beyond that, getting real impact out of any digital change, and for Gen AI in particular, will always be both a human and systems question. The way I'd summarize it is, one, without people, the best technology has no impact. We need to take our people on a real change journey to build the capabilities to use this technology, to develop this technology, but also just to know what you can ask of this technology. And by the way, in terms of developing it, there are new skills that are needed here. So what sort of capabilities do organizations really need now? I'm thinking about prompt engineering, for example, which is the ability to ask a question really, really well. Now, number two is in terms of systems. And there, there are fundamental questions that businesses should think of early to make sure that whatever they decide leads to a capable, consistent, safe technology usage. You don't want to end up with 10 different decisions on the technology because pilots are going left and right. So you're going to be wondering, do we build our own language models? Do we work with partners? Do we get off-the-shelf solutions? Where do we put our data? How do we process it? And these questions better learn early and make a conscious decision about it so that later on, when you use generative AI more and more, your solution is safe, it's scalable, it's consistent. Um, So yeah, for me, it's both the people element and the systems element that will enable us to really go through to the finish line. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. We're now nearing the end of our discussion, but before you go, I'd like to ask one final question, which is, what should our audience be doing now to bring Gen AI to their organizations? There's so much noise out there. We've gotten a strong idea of that with the Google searches. So how do you start to cut through and make a solid start? So I would recommend two things. One definitely stream of action is go do start to pilot, and I would even use the term play with Gen AI. The cost of doing nothing is just too high because everybody has this on top of the agenda. I think it's the one single topic where they, every management board has looked into that. I think every COO has looked into that across all regions, across all industries. So it's so important that you need to start and see what Gen AI can do. And in parallel, you need to really think about your strategy. And when I talk about strategy, it's a couple of elements. It's a question, how will this hit my business? Where will it actually lead to improvements? Where will it not lead to improvements? Should I go fast? Should I not go fast? Do I have solutions out there? Do I need partners? Can I reside on existing LNMs out there or should I build my own? I think this is the whole question of really truly understanding what does Gen AI in three, five years means for us. 
Then there's a layer in the strategy, which is around getting the data technology right. It's understanding how you actually want to put a governance and organization in place, which actually is able to build solutions. And definitely there's the question, where does the competencies actually in my company come from? Can I build them? Do I need to acquire them? So you need to be thoughtful about the whole question of competences needed. And then there's the question of actually doing the change. We often heard that this is actually the most important thing. You need to actually make people work with Genii. You need to actually capture the facts. There will be early wins, but also things which are more challenging. Excellent. Uh, Marie, anything you'd like to add? Yes, Christian. Nikolai, last time we spoke... You talked about this fresh breath of innovation in our companies, and I love to repeat this. You can see it in our discussion even. This did give us the ability to dream again, to come up with new things, to hope for more impact. And I think to some extent, we just need to learn and start doing it and start capturing it. That's a lovely ending, Marie. Thank you both, Nikolai and Marie, for sharing your expertise and experiences of generative AI with us today. It's a topic that we don't see going away anytime soon. And so your advice on diving in, but with both eyes open to risk mitigation and to value creation is a great note to end on. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for another great episode starting now.